Thanks for listening to the Doug Gottlieb Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday, 3 to 6 Eastern, 12 to 3 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. Find your local station for the Doug Gottlieb Show at foxsportsradio.com or stream us live every day on the iHeartRadio app by searching FSR. Now let's get this party started. You're listening to Fox Sports Radio. What up, Doug Gottlieb Show? Fox Sports Radio. Mm-mm-mm-mm-mm-mm-mm. Hope you're having a great day. The Doug Gottlieb Show broadcast. It is a beautiful, glorious day in Southern California. And as much as you like, you're annoying us, I got to tell you, we somehow we plowed through the uh, tough couple weeks of winter, right? We had rain galore before the new year, which has led to all your, these snowstorms, including that terrible one in Virginia. And uh, then we had cold. We had a, a cold snap where, where there was like frost on the ground. And I will tell you that uh, 40 degrees in Newport Beach feels like 10 degrees in New York City. I'm just I'm being completely honest. It, it feels why does it feel so much colder? You know, the um, I don't know how busy you are. Dan Byer can attest to this, right? Dan Byer grew up in Wisconsin, right? Like, he is hardy. He grew up plowing fields in the dead of winter, <laughs> right? I mean, he was, he was the guy that set up all the ice fishing huts in his hometown. He was the one that would go out and set up the— he would test the ice to make sure that it was, in fact, um, thick, thick enough. But Dan, now that you've lived out here this long, how cold did forty degrees feel? Oh yeah, it's uh, very very cold. Uh, like uh, like a, a zero degree uh, afternoon in North Central Wisconsin. I'm serious. I'm, people think I'm kidding, and then they're like, you know what? I've been out here six months, and you're absolutely right. Anyway, uh, we, we somehow we made it through. We 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 made it through. It's Doug Gottlieb show on Fox Sports Radio. Okay, I got a bunch of things to get to. Um, here's a story which. You know, look, we all know how this thing works, don't we? Um, Jim Harbaugh would consider, is starting to consider going back to the NFL. This, of course, is, you know, on the, uh, this is on the backs of a year ago, Jim Harbaugh took a pay cut, allegedly to remain at Michigan, right? Went from nine million a year to four million a year. Of course, most of that was in these, uh, insurance things and and forgive me where my acumen again i know about things i know about and i know that this was proposed to me i don't know about 15 years eh, 10 years ago yeah 10 years ago i remember having this conversation with my financial planner like hey you should use one of these life insurance policies for you know as a financial investment vehicle and I was like, well, how does it work? And he kind of explained it to me. And you know how it works when somebody's talking about things you don't understand about. You're like, uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. I got to give you how much money in order to get how much back? Like, yeah, I'll think about it in the future. But anyway, $4 million of what he was, the nine he was allegedly making, were in these life insurance, which is a financial investment vehicle. So though it wasn't actually $9 million, he's still going to make money off of that for the rest of his life. And now I believe he can draw actually loans on that financial investment vehicle. It's it, too much to get into. The point is he did take a little bit of a haircut. So there, there's, there's a couple things that come up. One, it's his agent going, hey, if you got an offer, then we'll go back to Michigan with it. So I think that's part of it. But secondly, and I think even more likely is, uh, even more likely is that 
when you get down to it, yes, Jim Harbaugh, probably more than a little upset at all the people who would call him out, not not understanding how hard it was to do it at Michigan, considering the landscape of the sport, considering how far ahead Ohio State was and how much he needed to fix. All of these things are real things. That there, There's not a guy in the world that loses a job or has to take a haircut that doesn't remember it. Everybody remembers it. You know, I, I tell this story all the time that there's a famous broadcaster who in the middle of his career lost a gig where he was synonymous for it, totally known for. And everybody I know who says why he actually lost that gig. Okay. Why he actually lost that gig was simply because of the previous negotiation where his agent had basically turned his bosses upside down and shook him for, got every possible penny he could have, and they never forgot it. And then the next time there was a negotiation, he was done. That's the opposite of what's happening with Harbaugh, where, wait, you don't believe me? You're going to take back some of the money considering all the work I've done? Okay, I'll remember that. I think that's part of it. Um, I actually think he's done a great job in rebuilding Michigan and making them the Big Ten champions that they were. I think he sees the ceiling and how hard it is to maintain that status, considering all the different things working against you in the Big Ten. But, uh, like, look, if you talk to people really in college football, they will all unequivocally tell you it's a mess. Texas A&M is going to end up with the greatest recruiting class on paper that anyone's ever seen. And by most people's estimation, it's come down to their alumni's willingness to spend money. 25 to 35 million estimated okay, on this recruiting class. That's gross. It's disgraceful. It's, it's just, it's gross. If you don't think it's gross, that's okay. Let me add to it. Okay. You'll get people who say, well, it's just like free agency. Okay. But what is NFL free agency? What is free agency in any of these things? You come in, you get drafted by a team, okay, that you don't get to pick. You're drafted by a team, and depending upon the length of your contract, you're with that team. Now, remember, with collectively bargained and all the CBA and all those other things, you really, if you're a draft pick, your first round draft pick, four years, guaranteed money, and then you get a fifth year option they can pick up, or you can become a restricted free agent where even if you're a free agent, your team can assign you the franchise tag. Like you, you don't have as much movement as you think in college football. You get to pick your school. You commit to a school. You can change your mind at any time, change your mind at any time. If you don't sign the letter of intent, you can change your mind at any time. And even if you change your mind, you sign the letter of intent. Many of these guys are getting out of their letter. So, A school spends all this time recruiting you. You say you're coming. You're like, all right, good. You're coming. You're in. We start making plans. All right, we got this guy. We got got Dan Beyer at quarterback for Notre Dame next year. Right? And then Dan Beyer has a great senior season. And then he starts thinking like, you know what? I don't know. Lincoln Riley's at SC. Maybe I want to go there. You got to re-recruit him. You finally get him to campus. Now, every year, you have to re-recruit the guy who's on campus. 
Remember, you got to provide him all of the different benefits as a student. You got to support him academically, athletically. Okay. You got to coach him. You got to manage that, that whole relationship with the parents, maybe the high school coach, the quarterback coach. Hey, with the kid, the kid's got the name, image, and likeness deals that, that he's out there, out there doing. And if he doesn't play, he wants to bounce every single year. Like, it doesn't just happen that Roy Williams and Mike Krzyzewski's like, you know what? I'm kind of out. It doesn't just happen that Urban Meyer, who, yes, he took the Jacksonville job. Yes, it was a disaster. Okay, but remember, he could have had, you know, I don't know if he could have had the SC job. He probably could have had the SC job if he really wanted it. Probably could have the Texas job if he really wanted it, you know. And as bad as people, the perception of Urban Meyer is now, you get to the hiring cycle next year, he could take another job. A lot of these guys are getting, because they're like, this is gross. This is not what I got into it for. Ugh. Ugh. And I'm sure Harbaugh, they're looking and they're going like, there's no way he watched that game against Georgia. And he's like, there's no way that we can do things the right way. And we can get in some name, image, and likeness deals, but we can't just sell our soul and just give, get called, said, and Michigan's got plenty of boosters. But I'm sure he looked across the field and was like, we got no shot. Right? You got no shot. None. They're not just winning because they're better coaches than everybody else. They got better players than everybody else. Everybody knows it. And they got better players because for years they've been cheating. And now they can legally cheat. But it's just, even though it's legal, it's like, eh. Eh. And even when you legally cheat and you give players name, image, and likeness, which is not really name, image, and likeness. Like, that's a whole load of crap. The idea of name, image, and likeness is this. Okay, you're a start, you're, you're Bryce Young at Alabama. You come in, you sit, you wait, you get your opportunity, and you're awesome. And then people say like, hey man, do you want to promote my, my car dealership? Do you want to promote the, you know, the barbecue place? Do you want to, do you want, sure. And you do deals here, you do deals there, and you make some money, and then you're, you're good, right? Makes, that makes total sense. Name, image, and likeness. You know, you do some IG stuff, you do a commercial, you do whatever, you do it in the offseason. That's the idea of it. Giving kids money before they've ever played a down or giving promising kids money so that they'll leave their school to come to your school, that's not name it in like this. That's just paying for play, which is what we told you would happen. And oh yeah, by the way, what we told you would happen was it was never going to be enough. Never. And you'll still get people like, why should guys sit there and play when he's not getting paid? They are getting paid. And oh yeah, by the way, no one outside of me mentions the fact that, look man, schools are not only more expensive than they've ever been, but they're harder to get into than they've ever been. You actually, I've, I've always, people are always like, well, Gottlieb doesn't want guys to get paid. No. I actually b- truly believe, okay, that the system works and the benefits far outweigh what you're being told that way. And they already give you, if you get a Pell or a cost of attendance, everybody gets cost of attendance as well as your scholarship check. Like you're good. Don't have anything to worry about. If you play and you play well and you're a good dude, you're going to be able to get a job no matter what. And if you're a great player, like you're worried about the peanuts in college when you can make all the cash in, in, in football. 
or in basketball. And and the 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 great example is like I've I've often I always everybody says like Johnny Manziel and he he did this at Texas A&M like Johnny Manziel left. There's never been an empty seat at Kyle Field, not one. And by the way, Johnny Manziel, despite the fact that his life and career after leaving A&M was an abject disaster, he can still make a ton of money on his name, image, and likeness for the rest of his life because he won the Heisman Trophy, right? And he played at Texas A&M and he was Johnny Football. Uh, he can go do an autograph signing or be on their radio or he'll be in those Nissan ads forever. That's how it works. College students, you do great in college. It, it helps you with your career for the rest of your career. And you can always call on your college when you need help. But now we've gotten to this dark area where you got to give everybody money before they ever play it down. Then when they get there, you got to suck up to them and play them so that they can so that they don't leave. You got to recruit them every year. And then you got to find ways to get more alums to give more and more money just to keep these kids around. Who knows they're any good? (laughs) Only to have them potentially leave, not have to sit out a year. And then once they get to three years, they're all going to bounce to go to the NFL anyway. Jim Harbaugh is, he's, if if he leaves, it's, I'm sure, at least a, a very large portion because he was on the sideline of the national semifinals with as good a Michigan team as he's ever had. Ain't got no shot. Got no shot. They're building super teams. This is, uh, it's all a product of what we've seen at the professional level and the movement there. And now it's on steroids here. It's gross. And that's what Harbaugh's saying. That's what everybody inside the sport is saying. Now, I, I know this for a fact, okay? <clears throat> Caleb Williams, of course, got a chance to play at Oklahoma. And I actually, in terms of transferring to play for Lincoln Riley, it doesn't bother me. And I like that Caleb Williams played in the bowl game for Bob Stoops. He took a look around and goes like, hmm, I wonder what it's going to be like with the new coaching staff. And he allowed that month to play out. Like, I like that. I, I hate when a, a new coach comes in and a player automatically just says, I'm going to transfer. Like, why? You don't have to leave right away. Like, go and see what it's like. When I've interviewed for college basketball coaching jobs, they've said, like, how would you handle players wanting to transfer? I would tell them, I will, I will free you all up to transfer at the end of summer or middle of summer. Give me the spring. We're, gonna, we're just going to play and work out anyway. See if you like it. You, you know, you can always transfer. I'll help you find a spot. But that's not how it works. Anyway, Caleb Williams, I, I was told, SC told him, like, hey, man, if you want to come and be a number one overall pick, come play for Lincoln. If you want to go somewhere just to get paid, go to the SEC. And that's the decision he has to make. And I'm sure Harbaugh, like some of these coaches, like, Ugh, no thanks. No thanks. So, um, you know, and for every Bryce Young, there's Nathan Ewers and there's uh, what's the kid who was the starter who left and went to South Carolina at uh, at Oklahoma? How oh, I'm why am I forgetting his name? Uh, uh, Rat, Rattler, uh, Spencer Rattler. You know, there's guys that they weren't just weren't that good. And that dudes didn't like. So th- that that's that's what I believe is at play there. If you don't appreciate that analysis, or that if you think that I'm, uh, you know, I'm trying to keep players from something i'm not this thing has worked for plenty of time and yes college football programs make money off of 
off of their teams and players' success. Do you know what else college, colleges make money off of? All of their students. <laughs> All of them. You know? <laughs> Any guy who spent time in at your school, they will promote that and broadcast that and ask them for money back. But to me, this it's a, it's a signal of the times that Jim Harbaugh's like, yeah, Ugh, no thanks. Do I think he wants to get a contract re- redone? And you may think that there's hypocrisy in it. I don't. One is a job. The other one is playing a sport to help you get a degree for the rest of your life. They're not the same. A professor is not a student. Hey, they're just not. A coach is not a player. And the whole thing is just it's gross. Gross. And it's pretty obvious that there's not great leadership at the NCAA level. But a lot of that is done because the colleges don't want leadership. It doesn't matter who's there. It could be the greatest guy in the world. It could be the smartest guy. Andrew Luck's dad could, could run it and would be you know seen as amazing when he's hired. But at the end of the day, people, they don't want to be told what to do. We hate leadership. Name a commissioner that people like. There doesn't that one exist. Name a president that we like. Half the people hate him. That's who we are. We, we don't want to be led. And what has worked in terms of building people's careers and lives for years. And there's no question it should be made better over time. As programs earn money, there are smart ways to do it. And what, what the NCA has done is no different than, honestly, what the police has done in some of these major cities. Oh, you don't want us involved? Fine. Wild Wild West. Go for it. How's that work out for you? Poorly. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. Joe Banner in a second. Uh, this just in. Rich Passaccia is the head coach of the Raiders, interim head coach of the Raiders. He said that based upon what the team knows now, Nate Hobbs is going to play this weekend against the Chargers. Going to play this weekend against the Chargers. Nate Hobbs is <coughs> talented defensive back for the Las Vegas Raiders, who was arrested early Monday morning, late Sunday night, whatever. Early Monday morning, uh, passed out asleep behind the wheel of his car and exit ramp from a hotel. I- I'm sorry, Raiders. You're going to have to give me some details here. I know you can you hide behind it's a legal matter, whatever. And look, we all carry in biases. I was hit by a drunk driver in New York City about. Uh, eight years ago, yeah, eight years ago this February, um, car totaled, and we're just very lucky to be alive. The the amount I don't care if he's it, what the technicalities are. If he was drinking behind the wheel of a car when you when you had Henry Ruggs kill a lady because he was plastered, you you can't be any more tone deaf. And based upon the circumstances, this might not rise to a DUI. I, I'm going to have to have some details here, or this is uh, the the this this is one of those public pressures going to be. I, I I can't imagine you playing. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong. Stug Gottlieb show here on Fox Sports Radio. Joe Banner is our guest, longtime NFL executive, spent 20 years as president and CEO, Eagles and Browns. Um, Joe, let, let me start with the Raiders thing. I understand that there, there's like going to be a lot more details. But man, can you 
Can you fathom the way the Raiders are going to play Nate Hobbs this weekend when he was passed out at at a at, you know outside of a casino on Monday morning behind the wheel of a car? People ask me uh, why I haven't gotten back in the league. <laughs> I think you just answered it. <laughs> I mean, That's these a- are impossible decisions. <clears throat> come up all the time and it's nice to sit on your couch and watch somebody else sweat it out. <laughs> no, I can't. <laughs> yeah. That's, that, that, the, the, the amount of tone deafness is just, I mean, it's, 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 it's remarkable. Um, okay. Let's get to some of these things. Let's, let's start with, let's start with Baker Mayfield. You got a guy yep. in a fifth year option. He's, he's, he didn't play well this year. He obviously was hurt, but it was, it was more than that. Like it, it got progressively worse, not better. You've been in Cleveland. You've been in those meetings. What do you think their plan is for the upcoming offseason and into next year because you're kind of stuck with them? Yeah, I actually said the other day right before the game that we were going to watch two teams that night that are going to have new quarterbacks by the beginning of next year. And by the way, I think you said that very correctly and carefully. I mean, Baker's a lot better player than what we saw this year. But is he the guy that can really take you where they're trying to get to and and be serious contenders over a long period of time for a Super Bowl. I don't see that. And there's going to be a very interesting offseason of quarterbacks. It always gets played up just because it seems to rate well, I guess, with the public. But oftentimes there's a whole, not a whole lot of substance to the debate. But it will be this year, and I do expect Cleveland, uh, and I do think we'll be through a veteran if it's at all possible, we'll have a different starting quarterback by next year. Um, I just think they correctly feel like they have a really talented team and they have to have a quarterback that is up to the rest of the caliber of the rest of the roster. And at a minimum, they're just not confident anymore that that's Baker. So I think we're going to see Cleveland be very active in the teams that are looking to find a new quarterback who's already a proven commodity. Doug Gottlieb show here on Fox Sports Radio. So how do you do that? Do you, do you, have, to, you have to get a veteran? Like how, do you, how do you do it when you already have uh, over you know, 20 million on one guy. Well, your hope is that he's got some trade value because that is a huge problem, although they have a very good cap situation, so they could technically do it if they wanted to. But what you'd ideally like to do is have some assets that you're prepared to trade to get somebody who's really good. Hopefully you can trade Baker and just get at least a little piece of it back so you're minimizing the actual cost and you're dealing with the cap problem. Now, whether that's possible or not is going to depend upon who they're interested in and how many other teams are interested in that same person. Because when you're working for the team, you don't really know who else is interested. You're going to be talking to a team that's going to make it seem like they've got half the league interested. And the smart teams can see through that. And the teams that aren't as smart don't see through that. And one of those, let's say, not as smart teams is liable to pay a king's ransom for something when it's not appropriate. And then if you're the Browns, I think you just got to kind of get out of the way and look for the next option. But the tricky part is they can't be sure they're going to get somebody. So how do they not alienate Baker in case he's who they have to bring back uh, and actually pursue this? I think we saw them start that last week. I mean, we saw an unusual number of compliments and explanations for Baker's season coming out of Brown's front office people and their head coach. It didn't make sense to me that all of a sudden, 15 weeks into the season in which he's clearly struggled, whatever the reasons may be, that suddenly we have an offensive coordinator and a head coach making very positive comments about him, kind of justifying some of his failures. That's usually what happens when someone's trying to up the potential trade value of one of their players. So we don't know that for sure, but that's one of the reasons I suspect we're going to see them try to move on. And accomplishing that in a way that does not irreparably damage the relationship with Baker, 
I mean, when he comes back, if he comes back, he's going to do the best he can no matter what. He's in the last year of his contract. But you'd sure like to have him come back in a positive place. So a very, very delicate, tricky situation. It's not going to be easy to pull it off. But I think they're going to go after one of these guys more likely to be a, a Watson or, or Wilson than a Rodgers because they really have been very conscious. I'd say as conscious of any team in the league. How do we build this in a way that it can sustain itself as opposed to have a really great year or two? Um, so I think that's going to direct what direction they're going to go in. Um, I, 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 again, we, I don't prep you for any of these, I, but I'm fascinated by it. I remember when the Giants were drafting Saquon Barkley, and the narrative was, hey, not only do they need a quarterback to replace Eli Manning, but the Giants are never in the top five, so take a quarterback now. They didn't. Mm-hmm. Ultimately, the following year, again, they're early in the draft. They're, they're still terrible. <clears throat> they're still terrible. Mm-hmm. Uh, if, if, if John Mara calls you and says, Joe, you've built teams for your entire professional career. This is what you do. What would you recommend to Mara? You know, the answer to the question to me is really easy. Executing it is really hard, but the answer is simple. The owner has to do two things. He has to hire the right general manager. He has to hire the right head coach. He then has to just set expectations high and get out of the way. When I say get out of the way, I'm not saying he goes to the Caribbean for four months. Like, I worked for Jeff Lurie for years. Jeff was great at asking really challenging questions and making sure we thought everything through carefully. We'd done every piece of research we did. So he was engaged in everything we did, but he also, when it came to decision-making time, trusted us. But he also challenged us. So when I say that, that to me is the right role for an owner. Hire the right people, trust them, but challenge them. So I tell them that my opinion is that they need to start from scratch. I don't see what I think you need to see in Joe Judge after two years to believe that if you give him more time, everything's going to be fine. And how I do that is I really have a chance to sit down with some of the people I've seen build really successful organizations, and I I ask them, what did you prioritize? In your opinion, what differentiates the teams that win from the teams that don't? You know, what is it that you think we've been doing that's caused us to fail? I mean, showing real deep transparency, vulnerability, willingness to learn. And then he's got to go into process. He's got to involve other people because he has not demonstrated that he's likely to get the right answer to this question, even if he identifies the right things to be looking for. So I would just be very blunt with him. I would say, listen, John, you've got to own what's happened because you have a job and it's to hire these two people and get them right. And you have hired these two people, but you haven't gotten them right. And here's how I would envision you having a better chance of getting them right. Here's some other people I'd recommend you talk to and pick their brain. And when it's all said and done, you should have a really clear picture of exactly what you're looking for and why that's what you're looking for. Then you can go identify the candidates you want to talk to. I understand that the Eagles haven't played. That division stinks, right? I I get it. And I'm not a buyer long-term in the Jalen Hurts, although I understand with the money that he makes, you can build a pretty good team around him, and you have the three first-round picks, so you can evaluate in the the offseason what you want to do quarterback-wise. Would, would that make you want to go after a Watson or use that to, to, to build an incredible team, an incredible line that they, they built in defense? Oh, okay. But, I mean, Nick Sirianni could not have looked more like a deer in the headlights when he got the job. How has this thing worked so well? How, how has it happened? Well, it's a combination of things, and one of which is giving Nick the credit he deserves. And for me, this is the thing he deserves the most credit for. I'm really going to say two things. One was... You, everybody who hires a head coach is looking for a great leader. And this is why. When things aren't going well, great leaders can save the day. 
And they're sitting there at two and five with every reason to think the season's over. Let's play it out. Let's develop these young players. Let's position ourselves to be really good in two or three years. He didn't accept that. And he looked at the team objectively and decided what could he do to get this season in a much better place. So that's not something a lot of coaches do. They're very entrenched in kind of how they've been doing it or what they were taught to do. So he deserves credit for that. And honestly, I put more weight in the first part of what you said. I mean, they benefited tremendously from the schedule. They not only played, I think, the second easiest schedule in the league, but they played four teams that were playing either their second or third string quarterback. Right. right. So I think that that had a big impact on the record. I mean, I think they forty-two and seventy-eight. I think is the record of the teams they played this season. Think about that: forty-two and seventy-eight. And some of those teams, the week they played them, were actually worse than that because they weren't even playing their starting quarterback. I mean, even they played the Panthers. They started Darnold, who was their starting quarterback at the time, but McCaffrey and their left tackle missed the game, and their offense couldn't do a thing. So I think that the it's fair thing to do is say the Eagles deserve to be applauded because you can't do any more than beat the teams you're playing. And they showed tremendous in-season flexibility on changing what they were doing that led to a successful season. They should enjoy that. They deserve credit for it. But if you're taking the next step and now saying, where are they and what do they need to do in the future to get good? They better not misread it and think what happened this season means that they're close because they're not. They have a lot of help they need on defense. I was a big believer in the defensive coordinator they hired. I still believe he'll turn out fine, but he did not have a good season. The offense is getting close but still needs a few pieces. So the, the risk here is that they think they're closer than they are and they don't make the moves they need to in the offseason. Now, I work with Jeff Lurie and Howie Roseman. I think they're very unlikely to do that. They're objective and they're not afraid of criticizing themselves or being realistic about where they are. But that's the risk to me. They deserve great credit for what they did. It's amazing that they're in the playoffs. The fact that they got there because they had a little bit of luck to me doesn't diminish it at all. But it does create the possibility that you're not realistic about where you're at and what you've got to do next to take the next step. Because I'm where you are on Hurts. Yeah. So if they said, oh, look at this. We just won, what, seven out of nine games. Hurts is our starter. We're rushing 200 yards a game. You know, why wouldn't he be the guy? I personally think that at least from what we know so far, that would be a mistake. And I don't think they're likely to make that. I'm not talking Hurts specifically. I'm talking the roster. I don't think they're one of the teams that will just overrate their own roster because it feels good to do it. But yeah, that's I, the big risk. I mean, like, like, look, and I don't think he's McNabb, but McNabb had lots of flaws, but mm-hmm. it was incredibly successful, even though McNabb had his flaws, especially in accuracy. Right. So it's it, it's a it's a hard it's a hard call because you do you have a tendency to fall in love with your guys when you see him and you get to the playoffs and you have these feelings and Jalen is great at all those press conferences and the way he handles stuff. But it's it's about, you know, can you. Can, can you lead us back when we're down? Can you move the chains on third down? And I'm just, I'm not a, I'm not a Jalen Hurts guy in, 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 the, lo- in the long term. Um, Joe Banner joining us here on the Doug Gottlieb Show here on Fox Sports Radio. Uh, okay, uh, how appealing would, would Jim Harbaugh be to you if you were looking for a head coach? Well, remember, when I was in Cleveland, and this was meant to be private, but it got out in the media, we tried to trade with the 49ers for Jim Harbaugh. So I think very highly of Jim Harbaugh as a coach, and I think he could turn around an NFL franchise, and he succeeded eventually everywhere he's went. In fact, he succeeded pretty quickly everywhere he's went until he got to Michigan, where it took a little longer. Um, but you've got to be prepared to really say to Jim, this is your show. We're all getting out of the way. We're completely trusting you. 
And personally, I'd be surprised if three or four years from now, somebody who hired him wasn't sitting there and, and being feeling pretty good about where the team was at and the record and the games they've, they've won. And historically, you know, this isn't always true, but it's been true with him, where there's smoke, there's fire. So in the past, we've seen rumors he was ready to move or so-and-so was interested. We get a whole bunch of denials, and then it happens. So I'm not sure there's a team out there that wants him. But from what I'm reading and looking at the history, I'm actually fairly confident it's true that he's open to moving. Yeah, I, I, I think a lot of what's going on in college football, too, makes him go like, yeah, I'm, I'm good. You know, I, I, I turned this thing around. I'm good. I'm, I'm ready to get back to where it's, it's, it's just actually about football. Um, okay, I, 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 the, the, you mentioned the Browns are trying to build it so that it's sustainable. The Bengals went from going into the last two weeks of the season two years ago. Statistically, it was the worst defense in the history of the sport. Okay, now one of the things that's missed over this last win against Kansas City, they held Kansas City at three points in the second half. Everybody talking about Burrow's great, um, uh, Chase is great. Like the offense is unbelievable, but the defense has been rebuilt from the ground up. Is it sustainable in Cincinnati? Well, I think it's sustainable because they retained their assets in terms of future picks to keep growing, and they've managed the cap well for the wrong reasons, mainly just because you know they're cheap. They're cheap, right? Right. (laughs) They're cheap. That's the wrong reason to be in good cap shape, but nonetheless, it's where they're they're at. Listen, I I think the key to the uh, answer to your question is. What they did that was really smart, in my opinion, is the teams that go a long way all have great defensive lines. And what they did after they had a reasonably uh, good group of players other than the defensive line was a tremendous investment in re-signing a couple of key guys and signing a couple of free agents. And that can cover up so much. I mean, the Eagles won the Super Bowl four years ago with a back seven that most teams wouldn't want to play, but with such a dominant defensive line that the defense played really well. So Tampa last year, right? Tampa, Tampa last year, their defense backfield wasn't good. Great defensive same. line. Every year, you know, the, when you look at the teams that win the Super Bowl, there's a lot of differences. They play the game a lot differently, different coaches, different philosophies. But to me, the one thing that's consistently true is they all have really good defensive lines. Now, sometimes they're just dominant and sometimes they're just really good. But I don't see teams getting to the Super Bowl that don't have really good defensive lines. And it makes sense. If we're in a passing league, and we've got quarterbacks throwing for three, four, five hundred yard passing games, even against pretty good defenses. And you better be able to get pressure on the quarterback to at least slow it down. And with the moves they made in the offseason, uh, that's, I think, what accounts for the fact that the defense did improve this year. I'm still not the defensive coordinator's biggest fan. Mm-hmm. But if you've got that kind of pressure coming from your front four, and then you can vary it a little bit so you create pressures when people aren't necessarily expecting it, you can be very successful defensively in this league. So. I think between the fact that I'm totally in love with Burrow and the fact that they've built a defensive front now that's going to be together for at least the next three or four years, I'm giving you a yes on whether they can sustain the success. Jerry, the best. I really appreciate you joining us. Wishing you a happy and healthy new year. Thanks for joining us. Same to you. Always a pleasure. Be sure to catch the live edition of the Doug Gottlieb Show weekdays at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. Doug Gottlieb Show, Fox Sports Radio. Check out the latest lines of the world of sports, BetRivers Sportsbook. BetRivers is the trusted name in online sports betting. Must be 21, present in Colorado, Illinois, Indiana, or Pennsylvania to play. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLERS. Get to Dan Beyer. This is Game Time. It's Game Time. On the Doug Gottlieb Show. Dan Beyer, what do you got? 
Doug, the game today is... Real news, fake news. Doug, real news or fake news at 49ers head coach Kyle Shanahan says they'll announce tomorrow who will start a quarterback against the Rams in their season finale. That's real news. You are fake news. No, he says he's not going to make an announcement on which quarterback it will be for competitive advantage reasons. 49ers have yet to clinch a playoff spot in the NFC. Uh, Rams have, but the Rams also want to clinch that division as well. Uh, Doug, real news or fake news? Bears head coach Matt Nagy has reportedly been told this will be his last game Sunday. Real news. They're real oh. and they're spectacular. Yeah, Boomer Esiason said as much on WFAN in New York that a source told him that Nagy knows that his finale is Sunday in Minnesota. Real news or fake news? Nets head coach Steve Nash says Kyrie Irving won't start tonight in his season debut against the Pacers. Won't start tonight. <sighs> won't start. That's fake news. You are fake news. Good job, Doug. We don't know if he's going to start or not from Steve Nash saying, again, he's keeping that close to his vest. However, you could see Kyrie play a bunch of minutes tonight. It's just a matter of we don't know if he's going to start or not. Real news or fake news? One network is considering giving Alex Rodriguez a Manning cast type of MLB broadcast. Uh, that's real news. They're real oh. and they're spectacular. Yeah, apparently ESPN mulling it over after the uh, success of the Manning cast on their network with Monday Night Football. And finally, Doug, real news or fake news? The top three of the NFL MVP pyramid is all quarterbacks. Uh, that's fake news. You are fake that news. That is fake news. A loyal follower. I appreciate that, Doug. Uh, Aaron Rodgers, number one. Tom Brady, number two. Cooper Cup is now number three. That's game, huh? Game time. This is game time on the Doug Gottlieb Show. Can I help you? Can I help your argument on Cooper Cup? Sure. So I have a, I have a friend who works for the Rams who texted me. He's like, hey, nobody's saying this, but everybody in football knows it's true. Their run game... A big portion of it is predicated on Cooper Cup. Not only his blocking, uh, but because of the respect that he has around the league. He's a huge factor in how they played recently. Daniel Jeremiah joins us up coming next. What does he think is going to happen? Chargers Raiders Sunday. Next in the Doug Gottlieb Show.